0: Well, this morning, Pastor Keith asked me to to share and to kind of just bring this whole series in for a landing, and then next week, he's going to land it, and it's going to be great. Um, And so I am just so excited to be here. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be able to speak. And to be with you on a Sunday morning. And I just am, just love that Pastor Keith and Julie open it up to say, hey, you know what? Can you come and share your heart and, and just continue in this series of salvation? And it was interesting because when Pastor Keith and I talked a few weeks ago, we were discussing, hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And so he's like, all right, well, what I'd like you to speak on is prophecy fulfilled. I was like, whoa. That's a lot. That's a, that's, that's a whole. I said, bro, that's a ton. And he laughed for like 30 seconds on the phone. And he was like, no, but you got this, you got this. And so this morning, what we are going to do, we are going to try our best to go from Genesis all the way through to the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of Matthew and show how Jesus was prophesied over by these prophets of, of old and how he fulfilled the prophecies that, that came forward. And so and one of the things that we got to just get out of here before we start is the word prophecy, Because if you grew up in church culture, you you know this, but prophecy, the word prophecy is something that makes us a little uneasy sometimes. Let's just be honest. Some of you have already shaken your head. Because when we're talking about prophecy, we're talking about something that is a very spiritual, supernatural thing, that is is something that is natural in the presence of God and being a Christian, but it's something that is a very natural thing to God, but has been misused by man. And so we are, as Christians, we are very supernatural. And if I can just be honest, we live in a very supernatural culture. Our culture believes in the supernatural. There are things out there that it takes a whole lot more faith to believe in than God. And and so we have to have this understanding when we're talking about prophecy, the most basic definition that we're talking about is a message from God, it's a message that was from God that was given. And so this morning when we're talking about prophecy, we're talking about God speaking in revealing a message to mankind and then a prophet or a prophetess of the Old Testament speaking that message from God. And so let's, let's just get it out there this morning that prophecy is not something that is a weird thing but a God thing. It's something that, that we should not be afraid to study, to know, to divulge in and begin to understand, especially as Christians, because it, it's part of who we are in our supernatural walk and our spiritual walk with God, understanding how, these all, how this all works. Now, when we're talking about prophecy, a message from God, we're not talking about calling Sister Cleo for $29.99 and she's going to give you a prophetic message for five minutes and, you know, for every minute after you, you know, you pay for that. That's, that, that's not what we are talking about. We are not talking about a, a superficial, prophetic thing that is going to gain someone something. If anything, what you gain from a prophetic word is affirmation in your heart from what God has spoken to you. And so that's, that's kind of the premise of, of where we're going to go. And uh, it's very interesting because with this faith walk in relationship with Jesus, prophecy was a very, very thing that he spoke on. Prophecy is something that he believed in. Prophecy is something that he would oftentimes reference, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump around a lot because there's so much. But in Hebrews, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 1. It says, it says this, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by a son, which was Jesus, whom he appointed heir over all things, through whom he also created the world's. So what we see with this verse is that God spoke to the Jewish people through prophets. And this is spoken of. It's it's referenced that long ago, God used men and women to speak a message that he had deep within his heart so that a culture or an environment or a city or a group of people could understand that God is speaking and he's still with them. Now, what's interesting is with Jesus, Jesus up to the point fulfilled over 300 plus prophecies. And when Pastor Keith was on the phone with me, I, just just the way I am, I'm like, dude, I'll just read every 300 prophecy, and I'll just be like, yeah, he did it, he did it, he did it because he did fulfill the 300 prophecies. But this is what I want you to understand, that for one person just to fulfill eight prophecies that were written in scriptures is one in a septicotillion, so one with 18 zeros, Chance. For one person to fulfill 48 prophecies is 10 to the 157th power. All right, so we're talking about the chances of all this working. But for one person to fulfill 300 prophecies, it was only Jesus. Because Jesus is not limited by what we call chance, by what we call, uh, it it could just be a coincidence, Jesus is not limited by that, and he doesn't have that limitation of those things. So when we talk about this, the chances of a man fulfilling the 300 prophecies, it's, it's, it's just way, way out there, but it happened. And if it happened, that means that there was specific reasons why these prophecies of a coming Messiah to save us was told. And this is what we have to understand, too. Prophecy is not man's guessing and man trying to figure it out. It's not man's guesswork. And a lot of times, that's what we think. We're like, oh, they're just guessing. This is just a guess. This is just a guess. No, man's prof- this is, prophecy is not man's guesswork. It's accurate because God has told them and has spoken them to this. The historical accuracy and reliability on what Jesus did and how he fulfilled the prophecy of the Old Testament is a very real thing. And we're going to look about how we can apply that this morning and how that really speaks to to us. Because I don't know if you know this, but when we decided to become a Christian, there is a book that is a roadmap that guides us through this thing of Christianity called the Bible. And even still today, the Bible is the number one best-selling book of all time. And it continues to be. But the Bible is is a guideline and roadmap to help us understand And I I will say this, in order for you to really grasp the identity and the power and who Jesus is in the New Testament, you have to be familiar with the Old Testament. You have to be familiar with what was said about him, the prophetic words, because there are so many things in the Old Testament that speak to the New Testament in the Bible that proclaim stuff that is very eye-opening to us as Christians that we will not understand if we don't study the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I think the Old Testament, I love to speak out of the Old Testament. I love to preach out of the Old Testament. It's one of my favorite things to do. But in order for us to appreciate the identity and works of Jesus, we have to understand the Old Testament. We have to understand why this whole thing was written and how Jesus fulfilled this historical thing. So being familiar with the the Old Testament will help us with the New Testament. And then what we have to look at is we have to look at when these things are being spoken, what is happening in culture? What is happening in the relevancy of what is going on in the moment? Why are these things being spoken over? Why are these things being proclaimed? Why is Isaiah saying this? Why is Micah proclaiming that uh, uh, someone will be born in Bethlehem? Why are all these things being said? There are a lot of answers to the why in the New Testament. And so we have to understand that. And we have to be diligently in the Word of God to understand not just Jesus, but the identity of God, who he is, and how we can relate and understand and connect with him. See, the Bible is this story of human history with God all through it, pointing everything back to God. And the most significant event in human history is recorded within the Bible, and that is the foretelling of Jesus Christ coming to save a, a, a race of, of a human race from their sins, but also be an example of how they can live a fruitful life. Because if we're just a Christian, just so it gets us to heaven, we miss all of the other benefits that we can have. Because there are so many more benefits of being a Christian than just getting to heaven. There's a peace that surpasses our understanding in a time of need. There's one that we can run to. There's someone that we just, I just had this conversation with a bunch of students recently. The difference between how man wants to get, man wants to have this revenge when things happen, but we are not called to that because we have one who brings his vengeance for us. And so when we begin to understand the importance of, of pro- prophetic things that were spoken fulfilled, then it tells us, because First 1 Peter 1:19 1, and 20 says, he paid for you, with the precious lifeblood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him for the purpose long before the world began. But now in these final days, he was sent to earth for all of us to see and do this. So God chose him. Let's keep that verse up for one minute, if you don't mind, because I want you to understand something. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. And so it's hard for us to understand this concept because time is something that we have limitation and boundaries on. We have a start time, we have an end time. We have an in the beginning, and we have an end. And so for us, we have a hard time understanding this concept that this was actually the plan for infinity. This was always the plan. God always had the plan that, that Jesus would fulfill this. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began. Long before Genesis 1-1 was written, God chose Jesus. See, the purpose was always the plan of mankind, and the purpose is Jesus. He was always the purpose of this happening. And so for us, we always have this connection to know that even before the world was created, God had this in mind. That Jesus was always the plan, and he always is the plan. That hasn't changed. That will not change. And so having this understanding that the purpose of Jesus was something that God planned long before anything was ever even created. Now, our salvation is is something God planned for a long time. And at every turn, when Jesus was living in the New Testament, we read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how Jesus is literally living everyday life, fulfilling these prophecies. And I want to explain to you two things this morning when it comes to prophecy. Number one, through prophecy, his identity is revealed. So through the Old Testament and everything that it speaks about, when it comes to Jesus coming on the scene, it is already prophesied the identity of Jesus. And it's interesting because when we look at this, the Old Testament gave prophetic words, very identity of who Jesus was. From being born to a virgin, to being born in Bethlehem, to the the lineage of David, uh, who the king, like how all this would work out. And even the interesting part of Joseph we, we just talked about this on Sunday night, how when, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, he wanted to divorce her quietly. But the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, son of David. And why did he say son of David? Because he was reminding him of a, of a prophecy, a prophetic word that was spoken over his family lineage that through the, through, the son of, through the lineage of David, a savior would be born. If Joseph wouldn't have stayed with Mary, that prophetic word would have not come true. But yet it was always the plan. It was always the plan for it to come forth and for Jesus to be brought forth out of all these. So his identity was prophesied, and every little detail that was spoken about Jesus was was, was talked about. Where, when, how, why, like all of these reasons of the very identity of Jesus was given to us in the Old Testament. And I think that's so incredible because many of us, especially in this season, are familiar with Isaiah chapter 9, where it says this in verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now again, this is something that is prophesied before Jesus is even on the scene. So there is one that is coming that will be the Savior of all mankind. That is the Mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, that's being foretold. There are other prophecies of a, of a great light, of a great king. All of these things that are telling the very identity of Jesus being, of Jesus coming. And this is a prophetic word that was spoken, that was given. Isaiah chapter nine is actually completely filled with prophetic words of Jesus coming on the scene and changing everything, from him being the coming king, from him being um, this this. Great example of how we should live, who we should live for, and all these things. So prophecy is able to speak into the identity of Jesus. And a lot of times when now when we are around people that move in the prophetic gifting and we understand prophecy, a lot of times prophetic words, things will be said that connect with your identity of who you are as a person. Because Jesus and the Spirit of God is interested in you being reminded of the identity that you have in him. And so you have this identity that was prophesied of Jesus that comes forward. And so you move on. Out. But then not only is his identity prophesied. But what he will do in his works is prophesied as well. All of what he will do. Because we find in Isaiah chapter 35 it says this. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open. And the ears of the deaf, un- deaf unstopped. Then shall the lamb uh, layman leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute sing for joy, and for waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A prophetic uttering, a prophetic speaking of what Jesus will actually do. And what's really funny is when we jump into Matthew, Jesus comes on the scene, but there is another man on the scene named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was actually related to Jesus. So you have a family relation, but... In Matthew chapter 11, the Messiah comes, and John is, John is questioning whether or not he's really who he says he is. John is in prison, so he sends his, his he's, John sends his people to, to the prison, to say, uh, from the prison area to where Jesus is speaking, and he asks, are you really the coming one, the Messiah? And so then what Jesus does is he says, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. That there is a blind that receive light, there is a lame that walk, there are lepers that are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor give good news that are preached, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So basically, in order for John to understand that Jesus is who he says he is, he said, go and reiterate what was spoken in Isaiah to confirm the works that I'm doing is from God. And so there's a confirmation that is spoken by Jesus from Isaiah to say, listen, everything that they said that... I needed to do and that needed to happen is being accomplished right now and all of these things that that, that people are doubting and you know and then G- jesus goes on and he alludes to other passages where he talks about the dead shall live and he talks about um you know the good news bringing to the poor which was quoted by uh by luke again in chapter four that they would be a speaker a teacher that would teach and connect and all of these things so even those that were Questioning the identity of Jesus when they begin to see his works that also is a confirmation so prophecy confirms the identity and also the works of that who is Jesus And so it's so important for us to understand that Jesus confirmed his identity by his actions And once that was confirmed people could look and be like oh, yeah, that was that was said That was spoken but now I want to flip to a different point of view. What if? Because a lot of times when we talk about things like this, and we talk about this with people, they oftentimes have questions when it comes to prophetic things, especially Jesus being prophesied over and fulfilling those prophecies. We become skeptical of these things. We, become, we begin to think like, okay, what if? And so if I can just play the advocate this morning, sometimes we say, okay, with these prophetic words, how was this all not fabricated? How was this all not done and planned out accordingly? How, how did Jesus not deliberately attempt to fulfill them? How did Jesus and his disciples and his family not manipulate the events to make these things happen? Because let's be real, sometimes that's the way we think. That's the way that we feel. And so what I want, you to, I want to do is I want to walk you through this process very quickly this morning of why Jesus did not deliberately try to fulfill these things. Why Jesus did not, why he did not um, attempt to manipulate all these things. Because when it comes to prophetic words, there's no doubt that Jesus did have to take certain steps to fulfill prophecy. Just as like, hey, when I go into town, I'm going to grab a donkey rather than a horse. That was something that that Jesus did. But by nature of who Jesus is, he just did these things. He didn't look to say, okay, what's in my prophetic planner for the day? That I need to go and look up to do? What action do I need to do to fulfill a prophetic word that was spoken to me? That's not how that's not how Jesus worked in all of this. After God explained in the Old Testament who he was, he foretold the future. I am God. Sorry, Isaiah chapter 46, he says, I am God declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient things that are not yet done. Indeed I have spoken, I will also bring these things to pass. So there's a prophetic word that is spoken that Jesus will fulfill prophetic words. That Jesus will fulfill everything that has been spoken. It will come to pass in a very natural, in a very, in a, in a very, uh, in the cycle of, of how Jesus was to do these things. It was a very natural, instinctive thing for Jesus to make these decisions. It wasn't to deceive mankind. It wasn't to be deliberate. And, and if you think about this and you're, you're thinking, okay, If only a typical human being were try to do this, it could have never happened. I want us to understand this. That if just an average guy tried to fulfill the prophecies, it would not happen. It can't happen. There are certain things that was prophesied about Jesus only he could do. He's the only one that could die on the cross and take away the sin of man. He's the only one. So if someone were to try to step in and fulfill these prophecies as a human, they were not able to do it. Only the Son of God and the Son of Man could make these prophetic words come to pass. But let's look at this, let's look at this for a moment. Because if we want to talk about how maybe this was manipulated, he would have had to manipulate a virgin birth. I'm not going to get into this. But how, like, you're not even alive. Anyways, he would have to manipulate a virgin birth. He would have to manipulate the exact location, season, and place where he was actually going to be born. He'd have to manipulate that. In Bethlehem, in a manger, with animals. He would have to manipulate that. He would actually even have to manipulate the the stars aligning in the sky while he was born. So again, we're trying to figure out how someone that is not born is manipulating things that are happening. And then not only that, but he also, he would have to manipulate his family lineage, the work of his ministry, tons of locations, times, and items in the right place at the right time. And he would also have to fake his death. And he would also then have to fabricate being risen from the grave. And he would have to fabricate going from earth to heaven. And then he would have to fabricate coming back for those that are in love with him. And that actually sounds more against all odds than Jesus fulfilling them. And so we have to understand that prophecy is, was and is and continually is being fulfilled by Jesus. The prophetic things that are are happening, yeah, we've had like 300 and some prophecies be fulfilled. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. But Jesus accurately fulfilled the prophecies according to the intent of God, the exact way that God wanted things to be done. So because Jesus was the son of God, he was the Messiah, and because prophecies Foretold him, and he fulfilled those prophecies. The one thing that you and I can totally put our—we our, can t- totally put our faith in—is that if Jesus had done all of these things, Jesus is exactly who He says He is, and Jesus has done exactly what He said He has done. So we are not—we are not living for and worshiping. In, 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 in just being in existence for someone that was a liar, someone that was a manipulator, someone that, that, you know, a lot of the times people believe all of these things about Jesus. And so through these prophetic words that, that happened, all of them, we have this understanding. Identity and works were prophesied over and fulfilled. Death and resurrection Was prophesied and fulfilled. But then there's also one prophecy that was fully fulfilled that is not just for people that were in the same, living in the same time frame or timeline as Jesus. But there's one prophecy that was fulfilled for you and for me right now. And it's that Jesus is the savior of all of mankind and that he took our sins our iniquities to the cross and see this is one of those things that's interesting this is a prophetic word but with a present meaning something that was spoken in the past but changes our life in the present Because if there is a prophetic word that changes everything, it is when you have this savior of mankind dying for us, for our sins. The greatest, the the, the greatest human who has ever, who has ever lived. And if there's anything that you can know this morning is that God doesn't do things by chance, but by plan. This was always the plan. This was always what God wanted to do for you and for me. He always wanted to send Jesus to be our rescuer and to be our king and to be the one that fights for us and to be the one that protects us and the one that provides for us and the one that heals us and the one that's a father to the fatherless, a one that's a best friend. All of these things spoken about in the Old Testament That Jesus fulfills. Not just for the sake of history, but for the sake of man. All mankind. And so when when we talk about Jesus fulfilling these things and the saga of salvation, the understanding needs to be salvation was always the plan. Salvation was always what needed to happen. It's something that always was was going to be the purpose of jesus doing what jesus did jesus never did anything by accident it was never an accident that jesus acted the way that he did it was by divine nature of who he was and because of who he was things that were spoken about him then for come true because it's the identity of jesus and so we're here this morning And we have to understand that if God designed Jesus to be the plan for mankind, we have to understand that God chose Jesus to be the plan for you and for me. In growing up in church culture and growing up uh, in ministry, oftentimes when we talk about this, We honor God, we worship God, we believe in God, and and there's a reverence of him. And and I'm all about that. We need to honor and reverence God. But we also have to have an understanding that, that God sent Jesus for us personally. That this is also a very personal thing. And Jesus said, listen, the only way that you can connect with my Father is through me. That's it. I'm the bridge between God and mankind. And if you call upon my name, you shall be saved. And so what we have to understand is that the, the divine nature and plan of God is something that is a very personal thing for us. As much as we would love to be able to have this strong Christian relationship with Jesus because of our grandparents or our parents or our brother or our sister or coworkers, as, as, as great and as easy that would be able to, to kind of just navigate through, that's not how this works. Jesus is an individualistic thing. Jesus is for you, your relationship. And so connecting with him and having this understanding that he is the plan for your life is the best thing that you can come to the realization for. Because once we begin to understand that these prophecies foretold of Jesus came true, what we can bank on is the rest of the prophecies are going to come true as well. And the greatest, one, I think one of the coolest prophecies is that Jesus comes back for us and we get to spend eternity with him. But we have to understand in order partici- to participate in this prophetic word that was spoken about Jesus coming back for us, we have to divinely align ourselves exactly where we need to be with Jesus in order to partake in that prophetic word. And the only way that happens is by having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the only way that this works. That's the only way that this happens. And I know we're in church, and I know, you know, most of us, you know, most of us probably maybe know Jesus, but I'll be honest, maybe some of us don't know Jesus. And the biggest thing is if we don't know Jesus, we don't participate in this. Brent, if you could come on. And so having this understanding that prophecy fulfilled through Jesus is something that has been accomplished and is being accomplished, and will be accomplished. And in order for us to partake in all of the great things that we can have and benefits of being in relationship with Jesus, it's by asking him to come into our life and living for him, for him, each and every day. Being a Christian is saying, "I, I choose to live for you and not for me. It's becoming a servant unto Christ. It's becoming someone that says, you know what, I'm going to serve my relationship with you rather than do what I want to do. And when we do that, we actually then participate in this amazing thing called the saga of salvation. And our, our name is written within those chapters. Our name is written within those pages where the saga of salvation, the plan of God, we then are written into that plan because of accepting Jesus into our heart and into our life and living for him each and every day. Because if it it was just about saving us from our sins, if that's all that this really was about with Jesus, then he could have just came, been like a hermit in the hills, then died, rose again, and never interacted with mankind. But the reason Jesus interacted with mankind is to show us how to live, how to love, how to to do things that are very unnatural for us. But again, something that was prophesied to be an example unto us so that we could know who He is. So if you could do me a favor this morning, if we could just bow our heads for a moment. What I want you to understand this, this morning is this, that Jesus was prophesied to come into the world for you. Let's make it personal this morning for us to participate in the saga of salvation having the understanding that, that the prophecies of Jesus was not just for historical cultural relevancy, but for eternal value of connecting with you. So as, as your eyes are closed and you're taking a moment, I want you to think about where are you at in this saga of salvation? Are you in? Is your name written in the story? Because I tell you what a lot of us like to read the story and not participate. When it comes to the saga of salvation, a lot of us love the theory, we love the idea, we love we love the all the things that happened, but we don't love to participate within the chapters, within the books, within within everything that is written. We like the theory and the idea, but we are not written in this book yet. And it doesn't matter if you're the youngest person in the room or the oldest person in the room. You accept Jesus, your name is written in, into the saga of salvation. So this morning, if, if we can just take a moment, we're going to pray. The Jesus that was prophesied in the Old Testament, that fulfilled it in the New Testament, did all of these things for you. When he did it, he came to be your Savior, to save you from your sin, to give you eternal life. Come on, church, we've got to begin to make this personal again. This is an us and Jesus thing. You and Jesus, me and Jesus. And so with this understanding this morning, I want to pray with us. I want us to just all pray. And you can can repeat after me if you want to. Um, You can pray in your own way. But this morning, if you have not participated in the saga of salvation, and you've not participated in asking Jesus to come into your life, I want you to do that with me this morning. Maybe maybe you're in the saga, but you maybe you're just aggravated. Maybe you don't like it. Maybe you're just frustrated. Well, I'm gonna, I want to pray with you this morning encourage you to have the, the viewpoint that the author has of this story of salvation. Dear Jesus, we come to you this morning And we are so thankful for what you did. We are so thankful that you loved us enough to die for us. And so in this moment, we ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask you to forgive us for the things that we have done that have not been pleasing to you. We pray that you will free us from the things that have kept us captive, from the things that have locked us down. And we pray that you will free us from religious ideology that tells us that this isn't a personal thing. Help us to have an understanding that we are part of this saga. Help us have understanding this morning that when you were prophesied about back then, it was for us in this moment now. God, we thank you. Lord, I pray this morning for the ones that are just struggling with where they're at in the saga. They're struggling where they're at in this story. God, I thank you that the Bible says that you are the author and finisher of our faith. That what you have started in the lives of each and every one of us, as you have written us in this, what you have started, you will finish and it will be finished well. And it will be finished according to your riches and your your glory to give honor and praise to you. And so God, I pray that you encourage our hearts. You encourage where we're at. God, thank you for allowing these prophetic words to be fulfilled so that we could know Jesus and that we could participate in these things. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning. Continue to guide us, continue to lead us through this this amazing season of Christmas to have understanding that if there's one one time of the year that is really evidence of what you did for us, it is this season now. And so I pray that we do not forget that. In Jesus name. If you could just stand to your feet, I- we want to sing this last chorus, and I say this a lot, and it's become something that, that we've tagged it with. Praise and worship is not just words on a screen. When you sing words on a screen, you're singing karaoke. You're not singing worship. And we're going to sing about how the promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. That that which was promised to us in the Old Testament has been fulfilled to us in the New Testament but will be revealed to us in the time that is coming. Let's sing that this morning.